Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for following me on social media. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for just being a listener. I really appreciate your being a part of this journey with me. Today, my guest is Mari A. Lee. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a certified sex addiction therapist, and the founder of Growth Counseling Services in Glendora, California, specializing in the clinical treatment of sex addicts and betrayed partners. She is also the co-founder of the Mindfulness Academy for Addiction and Trauma Training, as well as the co-founder of the Shine Women's Retreat in Laguna Beach. Additionally, Mari is a trusted business coach for therapists around the world known as The Counselor's Coach, and she is a respected author of several books and a popular speaker presenting on topics of mindfulness, betrayal trauma, women's issues, and private practice success. Today, Mari and I are going to be exploring mindfulness and the role it plays in healing and how important it is. So I'm excited for the conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Mari. Thank you so much for joining us on the Woman Warriors podcast. Hi, Elizabeth. I'm so happy to be here, and I may slip into calling you Biz because I know that's the nickname. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally fine. I think uh, depending on the guest and how well they know me, it can be Biz right out of the box, but that's totally fine. I I, I go with the flow. Uh, I have uh, some some therapist friends who uh, chide me about having like multiple identities that I'm like biz in one space, but Elizabeth in another. But anyway, I get it. I love it. Thank you. I'm excited to have this time with you. I've heard such great things about your wonderful podcast. And I've listened to some of the woman warriors episodes and just love what you're doing so much biz. So it's Mm -hmm. really an honor to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm so excited to talk to you about mindfulness and healing. But before we get started, I would love for you to share just, you know, a little bit about yourself and what brought brought you to this, you know, where you are today. Thank you. I would be happy to do that. So, um, you know, I think probably uh, uh, most folks know that I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've been doing this work for a long time uh, mm. and love it. Uh, my primary specialization, as you know, Biz, is working with uh, people who are struggling with sex and pornography addiction mm-hmm. and betrayed partner trauma. So I've been specializing in that work for many, many years now, 
And uh, having gone through the process of healing from my own betrayal trauma many years, almost 20 years ago now, and that just really drove my interest and specialization in helping hurting couples heal. So part of that work uh, evolved over the years. Um, I now, you know, as you, as you likely know, I, I've written books on this topic, and I do a lot of speaking nationally on the topic mm-hmm. and so forth. And, and again, just really enjoy the work so much. And uh, But one of the things that I began to notice early on in uh, sex addiction recovery work and partners' betrayal trauma is while it is a fairly um, heavily focused on, uh, or at least it was back in the day, cognitive behavioral therapy. So if we have, uh, you have listeners who are not familiar with that, who are non-therapists, cognitive behavioral therapy is a way cognitions are considered our thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes our core schemas, and then behaviors, um, what we do, right, with those sometimes thoughts, feelings, and, and how those act out <clears throat> and play out in behavior. And one of the things that's important to note is that addiction is always steeped in trauma. It's always based in trauma. Yeah. So, as we know, hurting people hurt people. You know, that's a, a common saying in the clinical realm. Mm-hmm. And so I realized early on that cognitive tools really were not enough in the recovery process with not only the addict but also the partner. It was really important to begin to incorporate neurobiology, so that right brain to right brain didactic dance um, with the addict and with the partner, mm-hmm. and to begin to incorporate mindfulness work. And not and mindfulness can be confusing, I think, for some individuals, even therapists, who might assume that we're talking about meditation mm-hmm. or hypnosis, right? Right. But that, that's okay. That's a common, um, a common misperception. But mindfulness is really about helping clients um, helping clients learn how to stay present with themselves, how to notice their triggers, how to stay in their body, how to soothe and calm the limbic system, how to rewire that reward system in the brain, and how to really attune not only to themselves and their own wants and needs, but to attune and attach to their partner, Mm -hmm. which can be very difficult if there's attachment wounding, uh, which there usually is in the uh, client's family of origin. And because partners, right, Biz, have... um, a propensity, partners of addicts in general, especially with sex addicts, have a propensity to do caretaking versus caregiving. We do way too much heavy lifting in the relationship, helping the partners learn mindful ways of knowing, naming, and maintaining boundaries is a really important part of that. So, all of that evolved over the years um, into uh, training therapists in the what we call the MBAT certification program, the mindfulness-based uh, addiction therapist um, certification. So mm. that's sort of me in a nutshell and where I'm at right now in my my clinical work. Yeah, yeah, and the whole piece of you know that mindfulness can, I mean, to me, meditation is also a helpful part of the mindfulness piece in that it helps me tune into what I do need, what is going on for me in the moment, but it is about this present focused, like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What's happening for me right now in this moment? And some of it is cognitions. It's like, I feel like a lot of times we're telling ourselves stories about what's happening in our world that maybe we're 
making up some of this stuff because of our own experience. And so mindfulness can really kind of help us sort of tease apart all of that. Like what's our experience versus what's someone else's experiencing. Oh, so beautifully stated. I love that tease apart, right? <laughs> Pack some of that stuff that gets clogged up. And I agree. I think I think the practice of meditation is really important. Uh, I think there, again, is, you know, sometimes um, it, when I'm working with a therapist, for example, um, at, at our academy trainings, mm-hmm. they, they've maybe never practiced mm-hmm. meditation before. And so their idea, even as a therapist, is that, well, I guess meditation is about, um, and, you know, <laughs> uh, the sun and sitting in a particular position for hours on end. And that really is not it at all. You know, there are many ways of being, of practicing meditation. You can even be in a meditative state, brushing your teeth, making a bed, right. doing gardening. So there's lots of ways of practicing that mindfulness-based approach and when we as clinicians and healers can incorporate that into our own lives through I, I do that through a combination of meditation, mindfulness and prayer, mm-hmm. journaling and so forth. And you you just shared that you're doing meditation as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's really beautiful to see how individuals in their clinical work begin to incorporate and make changes that are sustaining and long-lasting doesn't matter if they're dealing with addiction or even deep trauma i'm talking about individuals who might be dealing with depression or grief and loss or transition or anxiety there is no client that i've ever worked with who hasn't benefited greatly by incorporating mindfulness into their healing work so I'm hoping that this is like a wildfire that catches on in our clinical work and more and more therapists are interested in getting certified in this, yeah. uh, this particular modality because it is so rewarding to see that transformation with our clients. Mm, yeah. Well, and so much of uh, like the attachment, which you had talked about a little bit earlier, the attachment piece of really healing is being able to attach to others, to be, to feel connected with the people in our world. And whether it's our partner or our friends or family, whatever it is. And if we have attachment wounds, but we're not aware of our own stuff, like it's really hard if we're not connected to ourselves to be connected to other people. Mm-hmm. That's a great way of putting it. Exactly. What I say to clients that I work with is, you know, we you, you don't have to live in the past. That's not what I'm asking you to do in our clinical work. But the past lives in you mm-hmm. until you pause, you push that pause button, and you begin to integrate some of those disintegrated parts of yourself, some of those inner woundings that you have that you may not even be aware of that can be informing and driving behaviors, behaviors like overworking or lacking in self-care or soothing with food or soothing with porn or detaching from your significant other. Mm. You know, all of these things are woven together in our early years and what was modeled to us and how we interacted in our family of origin. So helping individuals um, learn specific tools 
brings what, what the words that I hear, I feel calmer, Mari. I feel feel more attached to myself. I feel more present with my partner. Mm. I feel more patient. I have more joy and satisfaction in what I do. And isn't that really at the end of the day what living this life is about? You yeah. know? Even yeah. with therapists going through the MBAT training, they talk about being more present with their clients in the room, that they're not dealing with as much burnout in their therapy sessions, that a lot of fears around money and can I create a thriving and abundant practice? Can I incorporate modalities like walk talk therapy or, you know, mm. other types? of therapy and have confidence in that that so going through the MBAT training isn't just for the client but therapists are getting back to us and letting us know that this is life-changing for me as well which to me that's just so exciting to hear and honestly you know so gratifying oh I bet I bet and yeah I mean as a therapist we hear a lot, right? Like we're experiencing or sitting with the clients who've gone through some pretty difficult experiences. And I think I read something on your website, or maybe it was your interview with Laura Reagan from a while ago, but just that if we're just taking it in and taking it in and holding it, like we're burning out, we're getting overwhelmed. And I think that mindfulness really really can help with that oh my gosh yes i couldn't agree more and i think that because there's this level of burnout that does happen um over time even if you've got a really great schedule and it's you it's feeling really balanced just this work that we do requires so much of who we are and being so deeply present i think maybe the public at large has an idea that therapists are just sort of these bobblehead, you know, wise people sitting in a room, you know, <laughs> air conditioned office and just nodding their heads and sipping on their iced tea and floating out on a cloud of rainbows and, you know, unicorn farts. And that's, <laughs> that is just not, it. I mean, it is strenuous, strenuous work. It yeah. is taxing on the nervous system. It's activating if we're working with clients who have a lot of trauma, and their trauma shows up as is personality disorders, mm -hmm. and it can be um, it can be very difficult to know what to do with some of what we hear in the room because you know we have we are we are we must uphold confidentiality. Right. We are not legally allowed to share that. So it's not like sitting in an office and then going into your you know your colleagues often saying, "Oh, you wouldn't believe what so and so talked about today." We don't have that. We can't talk to our spouses about it. We can't talk to anybody about that stuff. Yeah. And so there's a lot that's, that's beneficial for therapists to understand when they can begin to incorporate the mindfulness-based approach, tools and modality into their work with clients, they'll begin to notice that, I guess you could call it a double blessing, if you will, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you will. Mm -hmm. their own selves become more excited about the work, more plugged in, more energized. And another thing that's coming to mind that therapists will share with me, Biz, is Mari, I have such great boundaries now incorporating this mindfulness-based training. Now, when a client, I'm so tuned in when a client sends me an email or I, I'm listening to a phone call, I know whether or not that's going to be a good fit for me or if I'm going to be a good fit for that client. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling more confident in the way that I'm charging my fees, the way that I'm maintaining my boundaries, 
the way that I'm maintaining policies in my office. It's really, it's just really cool to hear. There's nothing bad about mindfulness at all that I can think of. <laughs> no, I know. And do you find, I know there's been some, I think there's a book and some research on, you know, when someone has experienced trauma, that there are things to be sort of more mindful of in a mindfulness practice. And is there anything that you would say to someone who was starting out a mindfulness practice on their own, maybe not in therapy, if they are a trauma survivor, that things they need to be aware of? Right. So just so I'm clear, are you asking this something to share with a therapist who has experienced trauma in their background, and now they want to begin incorporating mindfulness into the work with their clients? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I was thinking about the client themselves, but it could be a therapist too, I suppose. Like anybody who is beginning a a mindfulness practice who has trauma themselves, like are there there things that could be difficult for them in practicing mindfulness? Oh, absolutely. I think the most important thing to remember, and this is some of the things that we teach therapists in working with clients who have a lot of trauma, also latent trauma or vicarious trauma, trauma that they're experiencing in their environment that they have kind of incorporated as as the normal. So, for example, I'm thinking about a client that I worked with a while back, and um, this was a therapist who want who wanted to go through the MBAT training and had recently uh, been the caregiver for a parent with Alzheimer's. And this was a parent where it had been a very difficult relationship for that particular therapist. So there had been former abuse, but this therapist stepped in and uh, the, and was help, helping the parent. The parent was with assistance living in the home. There was a nurse there, but it was quite activating for the therapist and activated some trauma. Mm. And, um, and I, and, you know, of course, you know, we, we can understand that. And so as this therapist then began to incorporate mindfulness work with clients, she had a client that came in that was pretty much mirroring her own experience that she had had with her parent. And now the client had a lot of trauma and worry and guilt and shame and latent anger and all of these traumatic responses to the parent having to be the caregiver for their parent with Alzheimer's. And that began to trigger the therapist in the room. There was a lot of countertransference and um, trauma that the therapist was absorbing from the client Mm -hmm. that was creating a lot of anxiety for the therapist. So when we can go through a particular program of training, if you will, and understand how to address those particular um, pieces as a therapist in the room with the client, the countertransference that comes up, or if we're working with a client and the client begins to flood or hyperventilate because they are now, as you're sitting and doing maybe a guided imagery with them, or you're doing some body scanning with them, or some even meditation or breath work with them, all of this is activating and they're beginning to flood how to work with that human being. Mm-hmm. And then to the second part of your question, what would you look for if you were, um, or expect, I suppose, if you were a client, I would say some things to be aware of is one, you know, if you're interested in doing mindfulness work and weaving that in to your clinical work or finding a therapist who specializes in mindfulness work, 
make sure that that therapist is certified. You know, it's okay to ask questions of the therapist. Therapists are not meant to operate outside of our scope of experience. That's considered unethical to do. So ask how long they've been practicing mindfulness. Ask them if that's something that they incorporate into their own work. Mm-hmm. Ask them what training they received, right? So so have they received the MBAT certification or are they going through some particular training program? Mindfulness and incorporating that in for clients needs to be more than just reading a book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or attending a workshop. And so it's okay for you as the client, uh, if any clients are listening or potential clients, to ask those questions of therapists. Therapists should be open and transparent and willing to happily answer those questions. And the other thing to be aware of is it's okay for you to set the pace in the room with your therapist. So let's say your therapist and you have developed this really good rapport and you guys are beginning to move into maybe some guided imagery work or just some breath work, some simple breath work, and you're feeling a little anxious about that or you're no, you're having some images come up, maybe some former abuse or you're just feeling a sense of anxiety, it's okay to push the pause button, step out of the breath work or the gutted imagery or whatever mindfulness practice you're incorporating in that session and to say to your therapist, hey, I'm experiencing something right now. I need to talk about that. Mm. And that's good. A, a, a therapist who is seasoned will step into that with you and talk about that. And it's important also to know that mindfulness is not what we do the whole session. We have traditional talk therapy sessions, the process work, there may be an EMDR session. And then what I like to do is weave in in the beginning just some deep breath work to center ourselves and then to do about the last 10 or 15 minutes of mindfulness work with the client, whatever that might be that we decide to do. It could be meditation, it could be breath work, guided imagery, could be a number of things. So those are some things to be aware of on both sides of the fence, both as the practitioner, the therapist, and as a client seeking out a therapist who can help you heal trauma and stay present with yourself. I hope that's helpful. Yes, yes, very. Yeah, so it's important. I mean, I think, too, that this sense of agency for whether it's the client or the therapist, if you're being, if things are coming up for you, if you're feeling discomfort or anxiety around either the work that you're doing with the client or the client's work itself, like, it's okay to pause and step away and take care of yourself so that then you can do work that feels therapeutic and you're more and you can engage in. Right. I love that. And and what's so important um, in the in the certification program is we go over a lot of legal and ethical issues. What therapists may not even be aware of that would be very, very important to have in place while working with a client, because you certainly don't want to take a client through guided, a guided imagery, a client who, for example, may be dealing with depression or maybe, um, you know, uh, surviving um, domestic violence or sexual abuse survivor, and then suddenly they are triggered in their trauma 24 hours later and they're feeling suicidal or they get in their car and they are completely disassociated and they get into a car accident. Mm-hmm. So there are ways that there there's information and particular ways of setting up your practice, of going over that with a client, of knowing what to look for, of guiding a client, whether it's individually in a couple's work, in group work, in a workshop, 
your paperwork, your forms, all the legal and ethical pieces that are critical to have in place that I think sometimes therapists, you know, they, we just don't think about that. We're not always, um, I, I just happen to be somebody who's had businesses before, but not all therapists are business minded and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we have these CEU and certification programs to help out so that we are in a community of like-minded certified individuals who can support us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I know we talked a little bit uh, about just the importance of mindfulness in terms of treating addiction and trauma, but how do you see it playing a key role uh, for the client? Like, how how is mindfulness going to help them overcome an addiction or work through trauma that's, you know, been a something that happened 25 years ago. Right, right. Well, that's a big question, right? <laughs> probably would take us hours and hours to, to right, deconstruct that. But I, but I love the question, Biz, and thank you so much for asking that. What I would say to uh, clients, and what I do say to clients is, incorporating mindfulness into your work is going to be one of the best things you ever do for yourself for a couple of reasons. We have empirical evidence now that just a simple act of breathing, just that breath work, right? Mm. We now have scientific evidence that it calms the limbic response, that it lowers blood pressure, that it increases serotonin. You know, we see changes in the and the brain for that. So somebody dealing with trauma response, somebody dealing with anxiety, panic attacks, someone who is even dealing with um, ongoing depression, and of course, uh, addiction, being able to be present when you're triggered. So if you're triggered with anxiety, you're feeling a trigger around your trauma, a trigger toward using alcohol, drugs, or you know, whatever that that soothing mechanism is that you're addicted to, just bringing in breath and learning how to use the breath in the body and practicing that is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Going through guided imagery is another thing that we teach clients how to do. And the act of guided imagery is creating a new narrative within that client, right? Taking a look at perhaps a situation that occurred with the client and integrating that with with tools and techniques, again, that would be a, a lot to go into here, Yeah, and helping them weave together a new story so that they're feeling like they have more uh, control in their life, con- um, more self-agency, ways of managing, uh, first of all, noticing and holding emotional responses, and even knowing what those emotional responses are. Oftentimes, I'll work with, for example, just using an addict, and I'll say, so you you mentioned that your boss uh, was sarcastic to you in a meeting. How did that make you feel? Oh, well, he's an asshole. Mm, yeah, he always says that. Yeah, he kind of sounds like an asshole. But how what how did that leave you feeling? Ah, he's a jerk. Yeah. But yeah, I don't care. You know that sort of thing. So even being able to just use the breath and bring that client back to that moment, and watching that client begin to to show up for themselves, to show up for that inner child that didn't wasn't allowed to have 
a voice that was heard, valued, or respected in the family of origin, we're making space for that inner child to say, okay, wait a minute, it's okay for me to notice my feelings. I'm not the P word or the B word or the C word or any of these shaming words that are applied to men because they have feelings. Yeah. Right? There are, I could go on and on, Biz. Obviously, want to respect our time here today, yes. and and how helpful mindfulness practices, the tools and techniques are for therapists to learn, to bring in and apply to the good work that they're doing, helping hurting people heal. It is phenomenal. It's it's life changing. Clients will share yeah. life changing. Yeah, no, it's been life changing for me as a trauma yeah. survivor. <laughs> I would say, yeah, it has helped me. Uh, just be so much more in tune with what's happening inside me and what I need to help take care of myself. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is huge. Exactly. Which, is, which huge. is huge. For a trauma survivor in particular, it's huge. It is huge. And, and as a trauma survivor as well, you know, just being able to plug in. And what's really cool, you know, as a healer and a therapist is when I began practicing mindfulness now, it's been, oh my gosh, 20 something years. But now I know even what my body is craving in terms of food. Yeah. You know, so when I can really plug in, because I used to use sugar and treats. I'm like a hummingbird biz. I love sugar. That's like <laughs> Me my, too. <laughs> I, I just love it. And it's just not, you know, I'll be 57 this summer. And, you know, I just can't eat it the way that I used to. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. But I do love something sweet. And when I was able to plug in to my body and say, oh, you know what? I'm really not craving a chocolate bar. What I'm craving is watermelon. Yeah. That's what I'm really craving. Or I'm not really craving, um, you know, whatever it might be, an ice cream sundae. What I'm craving is, you know, a banana and some almonds. Just even the very act of incorporating mindfulness allows me to know, well, allows me to stay super present in our conversation here today, right? Yeah. Knowing that I have a really busy clinical day and I had a very busy clinical and coaching morning. Mm-hmm. But here I am with you and we're just plugging right in into this conversation, only having known each other and connected um, via our Facebook friendship. You right. know, we've right. never talked in person together. So people listening might be surprised to know that. Um, and to hear this warm connection that you and I have, and prior to you even hitting the record button, we were we stepped right into this conversation, <laughs> you know, with laughter and joy and warmth, and yeah. that's part of the, the real gift of being mindfully present um, and showing up for yourself and just noticing also what's going on with that other person without having to absorb, if you will, their energy, you know? Mm, yeah. So if there were tips or resources for the listening audience, what might they be? So uh, let me start with our um, MBAT. Would that be okay, Biz, to talk about? Okay, so great. So my wonderful um, colleague, Darren Ford, who is just doing incredible work with mindfulness-based practices, he is also in California. He and I put our heads together, and we co-founded what is now known as the Mindfulness Academy for Addiction and Trauma Training. And I know that's a mouthful. So we <laughs> call it TMAT, TMAT for short, the Mindfulness Academy for Addiction and Trauma Training. And this is, uh, we offer the MBAT certification program. And again, that's the Mindfulness based addiction therapist uh, training. So that's for any therapist who's working with addictions and trauma and who really would like to go through the training process and be certified and incorporate 
more mindfulness work into their practice. That's located in Newport Beach, California, and um, the website, I know you'll have these listed, but the website is TMAT, so that's T-M-A-A-T-T dot com, and you can learn all about that there for therapists who are interested in that. Um, For clients, uh, we will eventually have a page on our website as we we have a handful of uh, therapists who are uh, MBAT certified, and as that list grows, we will be putting up a list of MBAT therapists. Uh, that so you can come right over to the TMAT website. There will be blogs, there will be resources, there will be workshops that we'll be providing, and there will be a list of therapists all over the U.S. and the world who are now certified and can support you in mindfulness-based work if that's what you're interested in doing. Very in the cool. Meantime, yeah. In the meantime, there are many books. Um, some of my favorites, uh, gosh, there are just so many. There's um, Dar- there's a wonderful book by Darren Ford on mindfulness. Um, there, Darren also has a beautiful YouTube channel where he discusses mindfulness. And um, there is just incredible work by Daniel Siegel, um, by Peter Levine, by John Kabat-Zen, and I'm happy to send you a list of those books, books that I love. What I would say, though, for any clients who are thinking about bringing in mindfulness, if you do have trauma that you're trying to move through, it's really wise to work with a therapist who's trained in mindfulness-based uh, trauma work because it's not something that you want to do, you know, maybe read a book and then begin to do exercises. It can feel a little overwhelming and it can trigger some trauma that you may not even be aware of and you may feel a little flooded or uneasy. So um, if you can work with somebody and you're able to do that, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, I agree 100%. So how do people find you, Mari? Well, people can find me through uh, tmat.com if they'd like to. Um, If you have, uh, as you know, Biz, I do a lot of coaching work for uh, therapists, and that's one of my loves, and Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for many years, and I like to think that I'm a real trusted resource Mm -hmm. for for therapists. Thank you, Biz. And uh, that website is thecounselorscoach.com. Again, that's thecounselorscoach.com. I've got lots of open source information on my blogs. I have freebie forms and also paid materials like um, intake form packet and all kinds of things, but also freebies. Nice. Um, you can schedule, uh, you know, um, consultation. Coaching. Yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm. with me through my calendar there. And I work with therapists who are interested in creating other income streams besides the one on one clinical hours. So, therapists who are interested, for example, in starting a podcast or perhaps um, writing an ebook or a regular book. Not that an ebook is not a regular book. I have an ebook as well, but you know, a yeah. traditional book. Uh-huh. Um, or maybe starting group therapy or a retreat, whatever that looks like. Or even new therapists who are brand, brand new and want to create a practice um, and they're just starting out. And I also work with therapists who are really wanting to get off of insurance panels. Not that there's anything wrong with taking insurance, but therapists who are looking to transition. So I work with a variety of therapists and that's what my coaching work is. For clients who are dealing with sex addiction and betrayal trauma, I work with clients in California 
95% of my work I do via teletherapy now. I do have an office and I go in about once a month to see clients, but everything is done via teletherapy. Hmm. And so uh, within California where I'm licensed, I unfortunately can't work with clients outside of state of licensure. No therapist really can. No, not yet. (laughs) So yeah, lots of good, lots of good resources and things if people need some support, both free and paid for. Yeah. And don't forget to talk about your retreat that's coming up too, right? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Biz. I really appreciate that. Sure. Oh, gosh, that makes me happy. Yes. So one of our colleagues who we both really just love so much, Anna Osborne and I, we co-founded the Shine Retreat for Women, and that's in Laguna Beach, California. Uh, We do that in September. This uh, retreat will be happening September 27th through 29th, and we have uh, a variety of women who come, some women who are therapists, um, women who are not therapists, but primarily professional women, and we... um, it's a we we say we warmly welcome all women, no matter your age, no matter your size, no matter your ethnicity. All women are warmly welcomed, and it's a, a really beautiful weekend of restoration, self care. We've got yoga on the beach every morning, dedicated just to the Shine Group. We've got yummy breakfast oceanside on this beautiful terrace. We've got really great workshops for healing and growth and bonding. We have a really super fun dinner out that we do on Saturday night. And we even have a PJ's workshop that we do on Friday night on the actual beach under the stars. It's so fun. So if you're a woman who's just feeling kind of burned out or disconnected, or you've been even hurt by kind of what I call the mean girl syndrome, and you need a tribe of really inclusive, kind, lovely, hilarious women, whether you're a therapist or you're not, you are welcome to join us. We keep it small. We close it at 35 to 40 women because we want to support a really good connected vibe. And it's just a blast. It's a great weekend. And that can be found on shineretreatforwomen.com you can register you can look at you know all the information and they can read all the little raves and reviews that we have from the other wonderful shine women that have attended before and thank you very much for letting me share that i appreciate it oh sure thing and uh yes i talked to anna recently although that episode isn't live yet so she will talk about that uh retreat as well but that's exciting Mari, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you're busy. And I just really appreciate especially since I had to reschedule with you. So I appreciate your patience and uh, the time you took with to talk to us today. Oh, my gosh, it was absolutely my pleasure, Biz. And I am just so tickled that we finally got a chance to connect, hear each other's voices live. (laughs) And I just love your spirit. I love the work that you're doing. You are just a wonder woman times a thousand. (laughs) And you are so respected and trusted. And it really and truly is an honor to be on your show today. So thank you again for the lovely invitation. I really appreciated our time. Thank you for your kind words. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mari Lee. I have connected with her quite a bit on Facebook, and that was the first time we had chatted and that I'd actually ever really heard her voice except for other podcasts. So it was a really fun connection for me. And I think just her years of experience in doing the work that she does, she is just a wealth of information. And this new venture of certifying therapists, in mindfulness work for trauma and addictions is 
really amazing stuff. So I hope all of you have a wonderfully mindful week. I hope you have enjoyed this little mini three-part series on mindfulness. And just know you can always find out more about mindfulness here on the Woman Warriors podcast. I also write about mindfulness for my blog, Business Blog, and you can find that at progressioncounseling.com. Here in Annapolis, I will be uh, doing a mindfulness group for women coming up in the fall, and I'm looking into creating a uh, virtual, you know, online mindfulness group for women going forward. So stay tuned for that. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com. Thank you.